San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, everybody. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB, you can hear us on any of your devices uh, live. We uh, have all these uh, podcasts commercial-free on iwaymoney.com. We are free on iTunes. And now it's time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a lecturer and a philanthropist and also a fan. Family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I am doing great, Joe. So are you ready for Valentine's Day? I am ready. I'm ready for some dark chocolate, the healthy kind, of course, right? Of course. <laughs> How about yourself? Mary and I are running a half marathon. Where is that? Rancho Santa Fe. How about that? What Did- else do you want to do besides get sweaty with your honey on Valentine's Day? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, our buddy, Mr. Lyrak, who we interviewed uh, a few weeks ago, as you know, has got another lecture coming up yes. at UCSD. At the Great Hall. At the Great Hall, the International House there. So that'll be uh, Thursday, February 18th. the International House at UCSD. Yeah. But we shouldn't talk about it too much because I think it's already book solid. But it will be on UCSD TV, by the way. And also, by the way, tonight's show is all about UCSD and all the great things they're doing. This is the fourth important guest we've had from, from, the, uh, from the institution. We've had Erwin Jacobs, founder of, the obviously, the engineering department, which is relevant to tonight's show. We've had uh, the chancellor, Pradeep Kosla. We've had Dr. Ralph Greenspan, who's heading up the brain uh, initiative for the whole state of California and beyond. And tonight, we have the director of Qualcomm Institute, uh, which is under the umbrella of the Cal IT Squared or Cal IT 2 at UC San Diego. And he is the director. His name is Ramesh Rao. Dr. Rao, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Good to be here. Yes, we met... Um, in November, you were hosting Congress, two Congress members, Scott Peters and uh, I believe it was Eric Swalwell. Was it Eric? That's right. And uh, they had, uh, I, I guess, you toured them through the, uh, through the institution, and then there was a panel that I attended uh, where the students just aired out their, their thoughts and concerns about the future and innovation and everything else. And uh, that was quite a day, quite interesting. It was kind of, kind of, why did the, the, the congressman from Northern California come? Was he just a guest of Scott's? or? I think so. I think they were passing through. Uh, but uh, what probably brought them to UCSD was their focus on student debt. Mm. Uh, they were recognizing, rightly, I think, uh, that student debt is an impediment uh, yeah. to getting a higher education, to being uh, a better trained workforce, uh, to be able to innovate, to be able to take risks. Yes. And I think that uh, was spot on, I yeah. think, as you probably observed. Good. Well, so can I anticipate that UCSD will be reducing my daughter's fees for attending? <laughs> you know, we constantly get recognized for social mobility. I think exactly. UCSD is better than many other institutions <laughs> in making that possible. Well, on the upside, you know, there is a lot of scholarship money out there in financial aid and financial help uh, for those who qualify. So, Richard, maybe you make too much money. I don't know. <laughs> Joe, but, I've, I've got three kids in college. I'm broke. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, me and my brother's already in, in Illinois. He has, what, those 529 funds that he pitched in early on. When, and uh, I don't know if they had those in California. But 
Yeah, but, but you have to, you, the way the market's gone, they're now three twenty nine. But I tell you, it's still worth borrowing the money if that's what it's going to take uh, as an investment. The payoff on education, I think, is unmatched by just about everything yeah, else. Yeah, that yeah. I oh, absolutely, you have to do it now. Um, talk about about Qualcomm Institute, and then we'll get into the um, the, the new uh, incubator that you launched just recently. But uh, what what um, precipitated the the launch of Qualcomm Institute? Because you were a professor there beforehand, right? Absolutely. Since I've been a professor at UC San Diego since 1984. Uh, so this was the year 2000. It was at the peak of the internet uh, bubble, if you wish, mm -hmm. uh, before it had burst. Uh, but there was a recognition that there was a digital divide that was emerging. And there was a desire to invest uh, in institutes uh, around the state that would uh, innovate and make it possible for the state to bridge this digital divide mm -hmm. and also enable the creation of new industry. Hmm. So that was 2000, mm. and sure enough, the bubble burst sooner than anybody thought it would. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I think the uh, state's investment, and in particular the partnership, it required that we partner with industry, mm -hmm. uh, I think really paid off. Uh, I think it was very visionary. Well, with any, in fairness, and with any new sector, a lot of people don't realize in 1900 there were 200 automobile companies. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, the good ones survive, the big ones eat the little ones, et cetera. There's a lot of merging going on. And then hopefully the best products and ideas, you know, g survive in the marketplace. But um, so it's, it's growing pains all the time, right? Absolutely. Who knew back then that information technology would stand to transform life as we know it, mm -hmm. you know? I was a bit skeptical myself as a technologist if information technology alone would solve the problems of health and environment and so on and so forth. Uh, but today I've come to realize that it's that technology that actually brings hope. It's the only thing that gets better and cheaper mm -hmm. year after year, just mm -hmm. about everything else gets more expensive. Yeah, certainly as it relates to medicine. Um, well, look at, um, all the I, look at all the wireless. Now, Dr. Rao has a big background in, in wireless technology, and look how that's applied to so many different things uh, today, right? Absolutely, and health, we think, is the last frontier. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I think we absolutely have to extract costs out of that. And I think technology stands poised in so many ways, from new sensors to new ways of analyzing data. I saw a segment on news that just blew me away. I believe the patient was in London, England, and the doctor was you know, having heart surgery or some kind of surgery, and the doctor was in New York or in the States somewhere using robotics to do surgery thousands of miles away. Uh, who ever heard of this? I mean, <laughs> Long-distance surgery. <laughs> so the way a surgeon has uh, described this for me is uh, kind of a... Uh, very captivating. Uh, he, he thinks of it as a surgery that you do the night before. Okay. So you look at all the radiological images, you plan your surgery, you do all the what-ifs, and then you download the procedure. Mm -hmm. And next day morning, when the patient is there at the operating table, all you do is you hit run. Are you? And you, wow. sta and you stand there and you watch to see if anything goes wrong. Oh my gosh, it's like right? flying jets now when just sitting there. <laughs> Matter of fact, I heard the other day that... Yeah, good thing the start of this radio show wasn't surgery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the... Uh, no, nobody heard what happened I, before they hear what they hear, so... Well, that's okay. You know, I that's know. how, you know, you got to break a few eggs to make omelets, right, Richard? That's it. But uh, I heard jet pilots now that they're concerned that they're, they're not skilled enough to actually fly the plane if they need to because everything's become so programmed that their, their skills, you know, aren't what they should be. But, uh, have, you know, right? You get Absolutely. Too, you, you know, you should dependent. get uh, one of our distinguished uh, researchers, faculty member Don Norman on your show. You know, he's a design guru. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how building a machine which does all the routine things for you and then suddenly turns the controls over when things 
go wrong. It's mm-hmm. just the wrong thing to do because you just can't step in like that and mm-hmm. rescue. So how do you design this machine so that a human can actually make sense of it? Well, I saw on your website, I guess there's some form or whatever that they're concerned, uh, or I guess the trend is going to be more and more you know, artificial intelligence, more and more automation, so the, that's going to affect employment uh, you know, domestically and, nat- and, and globally, right? Joe, I'm reading a great book called The Future of the Professions, mm-hmm. which is suggesting that the law profession, accounting, wealth advisory is going to change dramatically because of technology. Yeah. Already is, but even more so. Yeah, it, it is true that I think some professions probably don't have as bright a future as they once did, mm-hmm. but there are new ones opening up. Mm-hmm. This whole business of data science, mm-hmm. you know, statistics rediscovered, combined with computer science, algorithms, devices. It's amazing what kind of signals you can pull out of things that you didn't think had any signals that mm. were worthwhile. Well, they're getting into genomics, and of course, now we're talking billions and billions of cells and, and data that you have to crunch and and come up with. I think one of your incubators is dealing with that, uh, trying to identify, I, I guess, harmful elements within the genomes. Um, you know, but we didn't have the capacity to to crunch all those numbers years ago, right? Absolutely, yeah. The, as you probably heard, the power in your smartphone today exceeds the supercomputers of the 80s, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so you begin to imagine whole new sets of things you can do that was just impossible to conceive of. Well, wow. I can barely check the weather on my phone, so <laughs> I, I got some learning I need to That's do. That's the interface design <laughs> issue, huh? <laughs> But anyway, yeah, there's, there's just so much going on. Remember, you guys have a supercomputer. Do you guys tap into that over at UCSD? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> uh, the cloud is everything today. Yeah. Uh, and so you want to free the researcher from having to worry about the hardware on which they're going to store the data or the ones on which they're going to run the algorithm. So you just think at a more algorithmic level and you let the cloud take care of the data organization, the data access, the data security, all of those things. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, we have to take a little break, though, but we'll be right back with Dr. Ramesh Rao from Qualcomm Institute from UCSD right after this. (laughs) All right, we are getting smart with Dr. Rao from UCSD's Qualcomm Institute. So, Joe. Yes. Joe, you got totally out of order. I did, Chief. You did. Well, well yeah, chief, we usually believe? we usually start with the fetus part, and we forgot about that, so we went right to the uh, right to the, uh, the UCSD. But anyway, Dr. Rao, would you like to tell us <laughs> where you were born and a little about your childhood and, and how you and got to how San you Diego. wound up at UCSD? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, I would like to start from the fetus stage. Uh, okay. My mom tells me that I was born a blue baby. Really, and so. Uh, uh, the doctor told her that I was likely to grow up to be a dimwit and that they should let up on me. Huh. <laughs> that and was the best thing that happened to me, I think. They doubled down on you, right? <laughs> and so. they, they doubled down on my dad, my, my older brother, and uh, uh-huh. I got to sort of explore, fool around, uh-huh. uh, pursue my own passions. Ah. And I think uh, that was the best part of childhood. Ah. Uh-huh. Where, where were you born? I was born in a, a small little town uh, in a... Uh, state which was then called Bihar oh, yeah. in eastern India, eastern about a, India. 100 yeah. kilometers from uh, Calcutta. Uh, it's a coal mining region, uh, sort of India's wild west if you wish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the town that I was born in and raised in was a perfect little place. Uh, it was India's first public sector undertaking and they had spared mm-hmm. no expenses to create this almost idyllic township, hmm. which was a melting pot. They brought in people, recruited people nationally, 
Uh, we were happy to live in that town all our entire lives, a town of 15,000 people. Everything was just perfect. Were your parents in academia or engineering or anything? Or? Uh, my dad was a, worked as a chemical engineer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had wanted to be a doctor, uh, but uh, he ended up as a chemical engineer. But see, that it usually does uh, pass down uh, an academic, because they want like these musicians, these great pro- prodigies. Well, usually one of the parents has musical talent, right? Uh, so it's understandable. So uh, at what age did you um, leave India and come here? Or? So I came to the U.S. as a graduate student uh, mm-hmm. to go to graduate school. But uh, one last thing about India. You know, electronics was the mysterious thing. Electrical engineering was that mysterious thing. It could heat, it could cool, it could light up places. It was mm-hmm. invisible. So it felt as a kid, as a little kid, that being able to master electricity was like one of the bigger things that you could chase after. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, wanted to set my mind to be an electrical engineer many years ago, like maybe when I was five or six. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously it was not the smartest decision. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, I came to the U.S., uh, Uh, to go to graduate school, got my master's and PhD uh, in electrical engineering, working Mm -hmm. on networking, which, by the way, was a relatively esoteric field in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. There were not many textbooks. Uh, The internet had just about arrived, uh, and a few people knew about time-sharing computers and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I came to UCSD. They offered me a job, and everybody said, San Diego is a wonderful place, and uh, so here I am. Where where (laughs) did you do your graduate work? Uh, at the University of Maryland in College Park. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. so the weather out here was nicer, too. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you were like most of us. You took one look and said, I have to figure out a way to live there, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, so you came no out going of, back. Came from information. <laughs> well, that's happened to me. I came out for a two-week vacation at age 22, and I never and, went back. And you're back. still on vacation, Joe, <laughs> 40 years later. <laughs> because of Richard, we have a good thing going here for that's that. That's right. So. We have a good thing going. But, uh, well, that's terrific. When we asked Pradeep Khosla, I said, did you ever imagine that uh, as a young boy that uh, you would be in charge of one of the world's premier educational in- institutions? He goes, he goes, oh, no, I was actually somewhat of a troublemaker. And uh, so I was going to ask you if you were a troublemaker. Not so much. Huh? <laughs> Thank but, you know, I say blessed are the troublemakers as long as they have a good end in sight, you know, because you, you have to be a little disruptive. Uh, Absolutely. Right? We, yeah. we did get into trouble in weird little ways uh, yeah. because we didn't uh, stick to the script that folks had hoped that we would stick to. Well... You know, if everyone stuck to the script, uh, no, there would be no new thoughts in the world, right? There would be no improvisation. No, right. Yeah. So I'm all about that. But uh, well, that that's uh, that's great. So they offered. So your first job at UCSD was what? An engineering professor? Or? Yes, I started as an assistant professor in the and, department of and uh, teaching. What, you remember your first few courses? Or yes, I taught courses uh, in linear systems and probability, mm-hmm. which are hardcore courses you need if you want to be an electrical engineer. Mm-hmm. And then networking, of yeah. course, the specialized. I don't want to make light of it, folks. I mean, Dr. Rao's CV goes on for 27 pages, and if I read through the whole the whole it document, two shows. yeah. So, <laughs> how, how large was the uh, campus when you started? Or I how, think, or how small should uh, I say? Yeah, I think we were about 15,000 students. 15,000. And I have only. to tell you, if I came in on a weekend to work, which I did quite often, the only place where I could get lunch was the cafeteria at the VA hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was a small school there, but but it's grown by leaps and bounds. Every time you drive by there, there's another building going up uh, there, right? Absolutely. I don't know how much free space is left. I guess they still have some more maybe at the north end of the campus, but uh, boy, it's... How many total in the school now between the it's thousands? Oh, I think we're close to 30,000 now. 30,000 approximately. Unreal. Yeah. And, of course, we're all happy to know that the trolley is going to be coming through soon, right? Everyone's excited about that? Yeah, that'll change the character of the place. Yeah. Uh, and I think... Uh, 
with traf- uh, parking the way it is, I think we're all looking forward to the day when we can take mass transit. Don't you yeah. say there's parking? <laughs> <laughs> but not anyway. very much. No, there's not. So engineering professor from 84 up in, and then 2000 Qualcomm Institute started and it's a great website it's qi qi.ucsd.edu and it's all about richard you love collaboration Mm -hmm. this this is collaboration on steroids because tell us what what absolutely so it was set up from the get-go as an interdisciplinary research environment Uh, so we of course have extraordinary disciplinary strengths in engineering in medicine uh, the sciences the arts and humanities but the qualcomm institute was set up to bring together cross-disciplinary teams that would have a focus on addressing really the tough problems, mm-hmm. uh, the tough issues that confront us, where you need these different disciplines to bring their best methods, think out of the box, to come up with crazy new solutions. For instance, there's a, you have a, an event, uh, or had an event uh, about quantifying the human body and it's 100 trillion microbes. So obviously, <laughs> you're only going to bring in some statisticians and some, some computer engineers to help with uh, the medical uh, problems, right? Yeah, it Asian. makes you rethink who you are, you know? You're just a sort of a vessel to carry all these other life <laughs> all forms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 100 trillion microbes. You, you better have a supercomputer working on that because uh, forget the abacus, Richard. <laughs> it's a lot of zeros, Joe. When, when did you meet Erwin Jacobs? I'm just curious. How long ago, do you recall? Well, oh, you both uh, taught in the same department. Since 1994. Five, uh, we've been plugged in in the context of industry university collaboration. Okay, gotcha. Uh, the setting up of the C- of Center for Wireless Communications. Mm-hmm. I served as the director of the CWC for a while, and Urban played a pioneering role sure. in getting that going. Right. You know, that coincides with the creation of Qualcomm and the wireless sector here. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, Qual- it's Qualcomm Institute, so they're... Uh, but just to... Richard, here is the um, the language from the website itself, mm-hmm. spoken by Dr. Rauga's Qualcomm Institute represents a new mechanism to address large-scale societal issues by bringing together multidisciplinary teams of the, of the best minds. And... Um, so maybe you can just, I know you have an incubator uh, program that just started, uh, what, last last fall? or And uh, there's about six in there now that you're working with, and maybe you could just give us some of the ideas that uh, that they're working on? or Yes. Uh, so we're close to a dozen now. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the larger context of this is that universities and research faculty have long been able to publish papers and get technology out through intellectual property. Mm-hmm. But I think the state of California started to get to the point where they said, we need to play a more active role in pumping out companies, mm-hmm. right? So not just writing papers, not just doing the science, uh, but turning it into real startups that actually have a real chance of, uh, of succeeding. So this innovation space allows startups uh, and established companies, when appropriate, to lease space from us, take advantage of all our labs, which are open to all researchers, so that they can be more nimble, they can prototype much more easily. And then you collaborate with Rady School of Business also, I yes, would Yes, absolutely. We mm-hmm. network with all the other organizations, uh, Nexus, Rady mm-hmm. School, wow. Liebig. Uh, so there are a lot of rich set of resources that are available. What is unique about what we have is the ability for people to step out from other projects where they have formed a team together mm-hmm. and also to access uh, our labs on an ongoing basis. And maybe pick up some other skills that they might need in, in their discipline. So and, and giving new meaning to the term networking. <laughs> so Absolutely. if someone has a good idea and would like to pitch it, how would they go about doing that? You know, uh, we ask them a few brief questions. Why do they want to be there? Mm-hmm. What's the significance of the timing? And what impact would it make, mm-hmm. right? 
We are not trying to read their business plans. We are counting on them taking advantage of other mechanisms that exist in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to know why at QI, you know, mm-hmm. that's the crux of the matter. Mm. And then there's some remarkable stories of, you know, how people have uh, been able to. Maybe we'll get some of those remarkable stories right after we come back from our break. With We'll be back with Dr. Ramesh Rao from UCSD's Qualcomm Institute right after this. We're back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life, and this is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors, as always. Couldn't do it without our great roster of sponsors. Of course, Michael Caronta and Drew Friedis with UBS, UBS in downtown La Jolla. Our favorite CPAs on the planet, we've got two of them. Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, a great CFO service with five West Coast locations. Also, Polito Epic CPAs in San Marcos, Paul Polito. And Don Epic, CPA. Carl Sheeler with Berkeley Research Group, the best-selling author. Carl Sheeler helping business owners understand the risks that drive their businesses. If you reduce that risk, you increase value. Also, Joel Grushkin and Kurt Gotro with Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Now, all this money that they help you make. How about Geiger Law Office? Brenda Geiger, estate planning attorney, author of five books, helps you with asset protection and estate planning. Also, California Republic Bank, serving wealthy families and family offices. Lane Elliott and Sean Puckett with California Republic Bank. Our favorite employee benefit specialist, Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, Neil Staley and crew. Also, the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to the CPA's very best clients. Also, Mr. Paul Hines, who heads up Hearthstone Private Wealth Management. Paul also heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to reduce senior elder abuse. And a couple of sponsors that you haven't heard much about before, but back again, Servant Leadership Institute. They have their national conference here in Coronado on March 6th through 8th. Check out ServantLeadershipInstitute.com. Have a couple of shows with them coming up here shortly. And a brand new sponsor, very good food foundation. Right. Michelle Ciccarelli. Ciccarelli. That's it. Lear- I should know Lear- that. Lear- I'm Italian. Lear- 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 Very good food foundation. Right. We had the nice show with them uh, the end of, um, gen- uh, well, actually, early February. And first weekend of Fe- first Saturday of February. And we have three more shows lined up for later in the year, plus the Berry Good Night Dinner that we've done, uh, I think, the last three years. Actually, we've gotten two first place awards and one second for that. That's very that, good, that, Joe. That's right. <laughs> Hey, and I think Lestat's Coffee House is going to come back online as a sponsor. They were our original sponsor for yes, your trivia fans. They're coming back, and uh, I think there's an, an exciting announcement uh, about their operation that I can't disclose just yet, but uh, stay tuned. But hold tuned. your breath. Yes. Just but, not for too long. Joe, where can our listeners find out more about our great roster of sponsors? Well, all they have to do is get over to iymoney.com on any computer or device and get your uh, cursor on the Sponsor tab. There's a drop-down menu there, and they can click on any one or all of them. All their contact information is there and uh, they've been working with you for many years with great success right Richard? in some cases about 30 years yeah these aren't just sponsors That's three these, decades these are collaborators these are personal professional colleagues of richard so he works with them uh, on a daily weekly monthly basis and so it's good stuff. You can't get a better endorsement than that. So that's for sure. So, Doctor, you mentioned you have about a dozen at the incubator. What's your what's your capacity? How many can you handle? Uh, we are close to the capacity that we had planned on for phase one, uh, but we are in a position to grow it if it seems to be serving the purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. So. 
Well, I, I looked online here and I see a company called Fast Evac. That uh, can you tell us about that? That looked like a remarkable success story. It, the um, the light, your Fast Evac. Do you know, do you know much about that? Uh, no? no. Okay. I'm. Well, I, I was. Are you looking at? Yeah, I think it started at Qualcomm. Anyway, but tell us about some of the others that. Um, that you, that, uh, okay, so let me start uh, with uh, the one that's in the news. So there are actually three or four companies that didn't formally pass through our innovation space, but are startups from the Qualcomm Institute. Uh, the one that's in the news most recently is Emotient, which got bought up by Apple. Mm. It basically does emotion detection uh, by looking at your face, basically. Huh. So your uh, iPhone of the future uh, will figure out your state of mind. <laughs> you don't need to hit the emoji anymore. It'll do it for you. Right. Um, uh, and what we learned uh, from that actually helped guide how we put this space together. But So let me give you some examples of companies that are in there right now. Uh, Foundation for Learning Equality. This is a nonprofit startup, students from our Department of Cognitive Sciences. Uh, what they came up with is a mechanism that allows you to really lower the cost of providing online instructional content when you're off the grid. So think about parts of the world mm. uh, where you don't have connectivity. Now, this includes places like Sub-Saharan Africa, but it also includes prisons in the US, mm. right? So the idea is you have a Wi-Fi, you have cheap tablets, and you have content. You don't have to be online, but you have the back-end analytics you need to figure out individualized learning styles and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. They have a presence in 162 countries in less oh. than two years, you know, all over the world. And this is a non-profit startup. About uh, the first one that moved in was Calm Here. So we actually have a couple of companies now that are working on specialized audio. You know, these days, virtual reality, Oculus, and so on, the visual experience is stunning. But very often, the audio experience doesn't quite follow that, mm -hmm. right? So how do you take advantage of the multiple speakers that you can have and the sound processing you can do even on your smartphone so you can move sound around in space? right? Oh. Whether it is cinematic effects or if it's just creating It's more like 3D and sound, right? 3D and sound. Oh my gosh. Right? 3D and sound to go 3D visually and when you get both of them right, you're less likely to get nauseous. Oh my example. God. <laughs> gonna right. be, we're going to be a movie right. theater. We're going to be hovering in, you know, in the theater with sound and vision. They'll uh, be moving us around. And I think at CalIT too, I think I saw a 4D demonstration once, right? Now we're getting to 4D? Yes, <laughs> and, and, and making it personal, you know, so you can carry that with you. Yeah. Um, or it, we have another company called Planet3.0. Uh, uh, it's to combine the visual quality of the sorts of images you're used to from National Geographic with the engagement that a game produces, but create content which is consistent with the new common core, right? Mm -hmm. So to make education as much fun and as addictive mm. as playing games, right? As teachers, we complain that kids don't have long enough attention spans, but they go home and they spend hours playing games, right? What is it about that uh, that, that we are not taking advantage of? So there's a startup mm -hmm. that's sort of focusing on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have another one that's, uh, you know... How about Khan Academy? Have you worked with them at all? Yes, so uh, FLE, uh, the Foundation for Learning Equality, they have the entire content of the Khan Academy available on their platform. That's amazing. And then some. It's not limited. I to use wow. them. Bill Gates uses them. Erwin yeah. said he's been in his living room. And you probably, have you met Sal yourself? Or? Yes. He's quite, boy, what a great, talk about sound. What a great voice. This guy's voice is like maple syrup and uh, little 10-minute segments. And folks, it's khanacademy.org. I just got to put that plug in there. That's a great tutorial website. I don't care what age you're, you know, whether it's elementary math or high school or or, or beyond. He's He covers it all. He's a pretty bright guy. <laughs> 
an effective communicator. And my mistake about FastEvac, that was, I guess, Qualcomm itself was involved in that enterprise. That's um, right. People mistake us uh, yeah. along with the Qualcomm Stadium for Qualcomm. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Qualcomm, Speaking whatever. <laughs> but gosh, those are some some great enterprises out, out there. And you've already had one that uh, Apple has, has uh, yes, purchased? Yes, and this company just launched last year, you're saying? No, no, this no. company, actually, it's a humbling lesson. You know, they've been at it for about 10 years. They've been uh, with us. As yeah, they've, they've been doing it for 10 years, Joe, and then they became an overnight success. No, <laughs> no, but I'm saying, when did they get involved with Qualcomm Institute, though? Uh, that they, yeah, they've been involved with us from the very beginning. Oh, okay. Uh, and it All goes right. to show how, when you want to do high technology work, you know, the years and years of work that mm -hmm. it takes yeah. before you commercialize it. Yeah. So very often the founding story starts, uh, you know, a week before or a year before they actually become public. But the deep research, which is really where the university is very good at, sometimes yeah. takes a decade. So let's say, uh, so is this uh, Qualcomm Institute's incubator open to anybody in San Diego or anywhere in the world? If, uh, Absolutely. You, you don't have to be a student, right? Yeah. You can we just need to be convinced that you have a good reason to be there. Hmm. Yeah. So you could even be students. So actually, we have a student group, Additive Rocket Corporation. I got to tell you these kids, it's just amazing. Huh. As undergrad students, they set out to 3D print rockets. <laughs> How about that? Okay. You know, the most we did as kids was think of making our own fireworks. Right. <laughs> 3D rockets. 3D rockets. Yeah. So basically, the rocket, the, th the thing that you print in 3D burns itself out. Uh-huh. And it can be used directly uh, for positioning these microsatellites that are being launched by, in large numbers these days uh -huh. uh, for maneuvering up in outer space where they don't need a lot of thrust. But hmm. it can also be used as scale models for testing new rocket designs. Uh, huh. So... Uh, Three undergrads. Well, with all this 3D printing, I mean, what do they put in the printer? What's in the ink cartridge? I mean, it can't be the same material every time, is it? Or? It's funny. You know, plastic burns. Really? Because uh, <laughs> you hear you can make so, 3D guns now and all kinds. Is it the same material they put in the ink cartridge? So that, that is what is incredible about this effort. Uh, they are able to actually print the material that is... Uh, the fuel the you're fuel. talking. Yeah. Oh, you're forming the nozzle. But what goes in the cartridge? Is it just some kind of silicon powder or plastic? Really? Did you know this, Richard? No, I didn't know it was plastic. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's um, maybe that's I got to watch that. I got to watch that movie, The Graduate, again, because he did tell uh, uh, Dustin Hoffman, "Plastics go into plastic." Yeah, go into plastics, Mrs. Robinson. Grad graduating right. college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But unbelievable. Yeah. Well, there is just so many. So what are some cool events coming up at, at QI that we should know about, that the public should know about? Anything that uh, comes to mind? Or? The most popular at the grassroots level is uh, these mixers we have, where we have three uh, teams typically talk mm -hmm. informally for no more than five minutes mm -hmm. and then plenty of time for interactions. Hmm. Uh, but then uh, every so often we do an open house. Uh, mm. We did one on December 7th. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, month ago or so, mm -hmm. uh, where we open up all our labs, uh, we bring out all of our toys. Um, Isn't that great? Yeah. Now I see something, I host your event at, at Qualcomm Institute. What, you mean any company could rent some space? Absolutely. Or? Yeah, we welcome. All of our facilities are open. Uh, uh, we have uh, uh, groups that are, for example, focusing on robotic surgery, groups that are focusing on robots in automation that are planning events. Uh, <sighs> Isn't that amazing? Uh, Gosh. We, we to, enable many things. Yeah. Uh, we have to, robots get a discount on the ticket yeah. price. Actually, we, it's free. We have to pause it right there. Hang on. We'll come back with Dr. Ramesh Rao from UCSD's Qualcomm Institute right after this. Hang on. Oh, we love that song. 
Wasn't that great in December, Richard, talking to Dick Van Dyke and his wife, Arlene? It was a blast. His birthday party was great, too. I'm sorry you weren't feeling better because Dick belted out about six tunes with his <laughs> sing-along group. Yeah, that was that was, it was really incredible to see. Well, they're coming. I believe he's going to be at the Frank Sinatra Celebrity Golf Tournament again this year with his group. So I'm going to check, see if I can find out when that is and, and maybe get over to the desert for that. But anyway, let's not take any more time away from Dr. Let's, Robin I want to talk more about 3D rockets. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many cool things. Uh, I mean, folks, you got to get over to qi.ucsd.edu QI and find out all these uh, cool innovations and, and things they're working on there. Um, Wireless systems, prototyping lab, I mean, all kinds. How many labs do you have over there? Oh, we have about eight major labs. Huh. The clean rooms, nanotechnology, you know, where you can make new widgets that do lab on a chip, that do your blood work using your cell phone as the analytical device. Well, That's so I, I, w I wanted to ask a question about medicine, because we, we had a previous guest, I forget who, who said that they believe because of advances in medicine and technology and how those two relate together now, that they believe that a person is alive on this planet, obviously very young, who will someday live to be 150 years old. Do oh, I know, sir. That who, who was that? That was CEO Jay Flatley, that was Jay Flatley. Uh, of Illumina. Of Illumina. I yeah. asked him that question. Yeah. He goes, we think the person who's going to live to 150 has already been born. What, what, what do you think? I mean, what are we talking about in terms of life expectancy giving these amazing um, um, innovations? So I think it's going to go up, without a doubt. Uh, and I think the quality of life at the end of life, which is an important issue. Yeah, so that's, that's a very important issue. Be. I think it's also going to go up. And I tell you, the smartphone has a lot to do with it. It's mm -hmm. already your companion can already sense what's happening mm -hmm. and can and it make it possible for you. But I tell you, uh, Richard, since uh, you're a runner, uh, I've come to learn from experts that the best thing you can do to live long is to run. Mm -hmm. Or even walk, for that matter. Walk, <laughs> run, swim. <laughs> I mean, do something. There's I just heard the other day that they 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 want people to to stand up at work, you know, in succession mm -hmm. because you're, if you sit at your desk all day, it's just uh, not a good thing. So Sp what? Speaking, of, speaking of running, the chancellor wanted me to mention that they've moved the chancellor's 5K to the second weekend in April. It's earlier this year than normal on campus at UCSD. I think it's April 10th, if memory serves. Yeah, right before the La Jolla half. Huh? Exactly, right I, before the La Jolla. Do you, do you run, Dr. Rao? Yes, after I turned 50, I took the running. Good. How, what's your favorite distance? Uh, half marathon. I just ran one a few few weeks ago, and I've, as I said, I've got one coming up here on Valentine's Day. Yeah, Sunday we did the Carlsbad half. Yeah, I was there. Well, was you'll there. be glad to know my very first uh, 10K was at UCSD, and uh, it was the Life Flight helicopter was there. I guess just for you, John. <laughs> <laughs> it was some benefit for the, I guess the cardi cardiovascular uh, wing or something. But I, I do know that somebody from UCSD had climbed Everest, and they were honoring that. And but uh, and that's I'm going back to like 80, 84, I think. Okay. But uh, are you going to tell us about your one half marathon again, Joe, or can we be that, that was story? 84. That was, <laughs> that yeah, was my, 84. Boy, <laughs> that was a hot summer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the AFC. Have you done the one that you started, Capri Yes, Mine? yes, yes. yes. Oh, that's, yeah, I've done a few of those. That uh, Laurel Street Bridge. Yeah. Uh, that that bites you, mile 11, huh? Yeah. Mile 11, up the hill. 8th Street and then 6th Avenue. I was, wow. I was running across that bridge thinking if this was a full marathon, I'd only be halfway, and with that thought, I that's almost it. keeled over. <laughs> so you, you took it up at age 50? That's right. Good for you. I, I took it up at age 44. Okay. So late, you kept late, it up. That's wonderful. I've kept it up, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, we have an exercise physiology lab at QI. Mm -hmm. So you can get your VO2 max. Oh, uh, okay. 
Uh, you can okay. wear ambulatory devices, so you can right. be breathing into this mask thing as you're out there in a real track. Okay. Uh, Huh. You can get your DEXA scan done so you can figure out how much fat you have hiding in which nooks and crannies. Oh, okay. Boy. That's almost too, uh, too much information. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you hit about mile 11, I don't think you have any oxygen left in your brain anyway. So. Well, speaking of brain, we had Dr. Greenspan on here uh, a few months ago, and he heads up the Brain Initiative. And I know over at the Roth Auditorium, uh, you had a full day of speakers, and you had Dr. Swerdlow, I believe, Neil, uh, talking about the brain. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, what's going on at QI and, and their initiative? Are you collaborating on some, some yes, research? Yes, absolutely. You know, part of what Ralph uh, uh, is keen on, uh, and I think the Brain Initiative is all about, is new sensing modalities so you get a better reading of what's happening in the brain before you build new theories and before you exploit it mm -hmm. uh, to deal with problems. And so it's amazing what you can do in terms of new kinds of electrodes. Some of it literally sit over your wet brain, scary mm -hmm. as that sounds. Wow. And some of it sits uh, above your head in a baseball cap. Mm -hmm. And how you can build lots of electrodes. And then again, through data analysis, you can resolve it. And you can figure yeah. out which part of brain is being activated. And then associate that with behaviors. Because I guess traditionally, he was, uh, Dr. Swerdlow is a psychiatrist. He was talking about traditional diagnosis. And they would just go by pure behavior and then kind of pigeonhole you or diagnose you based on that. But so, so applications like autism, and, and bipolar would yeah, be huge, I would assume. all of that, depression. He, so he wants to get under the hood and figure out what's going on with the circuits, you know, to cause a lot of these things, I guess, getting in, right? So Absolutely. You know, so in addition to those, you know, there is PTSD, there is mm -hmm. traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just amazing how many young men and women come back uh, from these various uh, wars uh, mm -hmm. with PTSD. So to be able to understand how the neuronal circuits mm -hmm. get impacted mm -hmm you know, blast injuries and so on, um, I think is very critical. Concussions. And, of course, now that's, you know, there's a movie out, Concussion. I haven't, have you seen it yet, Richard? I no, haven't I haven't seen, seen it. it. Heard no. it was good, but I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah, I want to I check that out. But last movie I saw was Spotlight. Was that good? Yeah, but that's dark. Yeah. Boy, is that dark. <laughs> well, speaking of movies now, how much... Uh, visual development and content is going on at QI. It must be a lot, right? Absolutely. You know, the entire movie-making industry has been re-engineered given what's happening with 4K. Mm -hmm. And as we spoke a short while ago with spatialized audio, uh, 3D virtual reality, you know. Uh, you guys have any collaboration with Hollywood at all? Or? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Tell yeah. us about one or two instances. So uh, uh, a lot of the collaborations are on the design and manufacturing of the new breed of cameras. Hmm. Right, so you can build cameras that measure up to the kind, and very often, you know, it crosses over into what you could do with those cameras if you were to put it on a microscope and look through a microscope using 4K resolution mm -hmm. and see what happens. There's early evidence. So we have an initiative called Cinegrid, uh, which brings together uh, the world's experts on the design of the equipment, the design of the workflow, mm -hmm. so you can do the editing at high speeds and so on and so forth uh, when you're dealing with this massive data sets. And also entangled performances, right? So you can Im imagine performances where you have one team here, another team there. We have a whole series called Ideas. Maybe we should have you come out and see yeah. how folks in theater and dance take advantage wow. of this new format. How about radio? Could we make Justin Hart over here obsolete? <laughs> I'm just kidding, Justin. <laughs> well, that, sound, that sounds fascinating. So if you had anybody like from Pixar or anybody uh, come down and take tours? Yes. And, really? Boy, that is great. Well, we, we got to do another show on this, Rich. <laughs> so, so talking about radios, I should brag about the work that one of our young faculty members in electrical and computer engineering did as a graduate student at MIT. He built a tiny little radio light enough to put on a moth. Wow. And he would instruct over that radio uh, the moth. Uh, he would stiffen up its thorax in ways that basically steered the moth around. So you had a, 
flying insect of your own. Oh my uh, God! It was like a living, wow. like a living robot. I want one of those. <laughs> yeah. Patrick Mercier, look it up on YouTube. Okay. Well, there'll be the life-size thing pretty soon, right? We'll have human drones or whatever fly to work in your little with it, right? Who knows? <laughs> they built a radio for a earphone, uh, uh, hearing aid, which for a battery uses uh, the fluid, so to say, inside your inner ear. Hmm. Right? So you don't actually have a battery. Uh, but the potassium ion differentials in different cavities drives the little bit of electrical current you need to drive this radio. So you won't so need a battery change. You, you don't have to change the battery. <sighs> wow. Right? So how, the, using the fluids inside your battery to drive the electronics. Well, can you imagine pacemakers and all these internal gadgets? Now they're, they're going to, it's going to revolutionize everything. So, boy, so many interesting things going on. It's unreal. Um, God, what else can we... <laughs> I'm I'm flabbergasted. I, I think I'm at a loss of words. I don't know how you for... top a radio Audubon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you top that, Joe. Well, you know that film Avatar. Um, they said a lot of the things you saw in that film, the robotics and and, and the flying. Uh, I remember the those. It looked like a drone, but with movable wings. Mm -hmm. it had movable they're wings. All, they're working on all. The, I mean, these are all things that are uh, in the works, right? So we should perhaps finish uh, with the Arthur C. Clarke Center for Human Imagination. You know, it's one of the centers uh, housed in QI. Really? We, we in gotta... many ways, science fiction sometimes shows the way for mm -hmm. real scientists. The geosynchronous satellite was work of fiction Andy. before it became reality. Yeah. Wow. Dr. Rao, we have to Thanks wrap so much. Thank you so much. Dr. Rao from qi.ucsd.edu. Get over there, folks. Richard, great seeing you. Thank you, Justin Hart, our sound engineer, for making us sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blanke, our account executive, and to Dave Sniff, our programming genius here at KFMB. All these podcasts are commercial-free on iowamoney.com. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.